1: We look forward to having you.
0: Welcome back, guys. This is part two of two of our episode on Spyro Reignited Trilogy. We are once again releasing this in two parts, and that's partially due to some technical difficulties, but also partially due to the fact that we are talking about three games, and also this is the format we're going to be trying out next season with nearly every episode being split in two parts, and released in a bi-weekly format. So we hope that we can kind of test it out here, see how that works. Also, side note, uh, at least the first half of this recording audio is not gonna be as good quality because, well, I had lost the, uh, the audio from, from the Skype call on everyone but my own end, <laughs> but the good news is that I was d- doing a recording of the Skype call uh, using the built-in you know recording feature So We have some backup audio. Again, it's not as good, but it's there, so we don't have to start all the way over. Uh, Other than that, we hope you enjoy the show. I'm Ashley Chancellor.
1: I'm Megan Gardner.
0: And I'm Alan Gomez. This is Collateral Gaming. And kind of made me move on to the next game was that by the time you get to the third and final home world, Winter Tundra, you end up having to use the spirit orbs to progress and fight Ripto. Whereas previously in the past two worlds, you needed the talisman to progress. So, you know, having collected the talismans and only collecting the spirit orbs as more of a side quest, I wasn't fully aware of what their importance would be later on so for me that was just a little bit breaking the flow I would have to go in and rather than revisiting those levels right away I felt like moving on to Year of the Dragon um so I will say that although I don't know if that's really a fair criticism because I mean I think that's kind of the point is to make you relive levels but it would have been nice for
2: them to let us know it's or something
1: kind of like hey all of a sudden you need all these 40 orbs and you're like what?
0: Yeah, they don't let you know. I mean, the orbs are kind of just there, and then what's also interesting is that there are only three hub worlds in uh, Ripto's Rage. The reason that's interesting is that they're named after season, so you have summer forest, autumn plains, and winter tundra, so where's spring?
1: Well, because I know Spider's going on vacation, and, 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 and then he gets trapped, mm-hmm. so... I think that maybe he was in spring, and as time progresses, it gets to the part of the story. I'm not sure. Maybe spring is, like, another part of the world. Because I was thinking about that, too. Whenever I was, like, looking at it, I was like, where's spring? There's There's four seasons.
0: There's not a spring hub world. But I think the reason for that is, and although Insomniac Insomniac Games denies this, but you know, the obvious assumption is that there was a fourth world planned and that they just didn't get to it. But again, Insomniac actually denied that that was ever the case. I mean, I guess they never planned on doing a spring. I don't know. Maybe they're not telling the truth. Um, One thing that they did mention is that in the first world, Glimmer, there are flowers, and they say that that represents spring. So my headcanon is that Glimmer was originally going to be the spring homeworld, and you were going to start with spring. And it makes sense because Glimmer, the first level, which is not a home world you're you're thrust into a level first i think so also if you look autumn plains has like several more levels well only a few more but it has more levels than all the other ones so i think what some of the levels that would have been in the spring home world ended up in autumn plains and then the rest were scrapped but that's just my theory i that's that's what i'm sticking with
1: (laughs) that's your story and you're sticking to it
0: that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But yeah, in Ripto's Rage, once again, each realm or, or home world contains a number of different worlds or levels, a speedway world, which is similar to the flight levels in the last game, and also a dungeon where Spyro fights Ripto or one of his minions, the the boss fights in the game. And there are only three and they're where Spyro One was kind of lacking in boss difficulty, they really amped it up here. Um, yeah, yeah. In the gulp fight, I think a little bit more than necessary. God, that took me so many times. Oh,
1: uh, I don't even want to talk about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> level, way more than the flight levels. Uh, yeah. It's nice, nice to change your pace and it still brings some of the little like mini-games to the main storyline without being as frustrating
1: as the flight levels. I found the, so like the vehicles and, and the is it a skateboard i don't know it's been a while it feels like it's been so long since we've played um i found those kind of difficult just because the mechanics of those are, are quite different for me than the actual like running and, and charging and everything of spyro himself so i found that challenging but he was like oh it's not fun i for you and i'm like yeah okay whatever it the time
2: at the time, you know, the nineties they wanted to
1: incorporate what was cool at the time. Well, it's still kind
2: of cool, but
0: they were uh, like skateboards,
1: interview <laughs> games, yeah, oh yeah. Right on, skateboard. <laughs> but
0: the, the skateboards are actually in Year of the Dragon. Um but uh Ripto's Rage did, did start introducing some of those mini games. I know there's a there's a lot of Ripto's Rage and Year of the Dragon do feel a lot more similar, I think, because yeah, Spyro One's kind cross-over. of disconnected.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree on that
0: but um, but yeah, what was interesting for me was I thought that both Ripto's Rage and Year of the Dragon had more refined gameplay, and they did seem somewhat more open-ended. I mean, the worlds were bigger, yeah. and there was more to explore. I mean, as far as the story goes, I, I definitely think that they... I mean, it's still kind of... It's a very simple story, but I do think that they kind of amped it up. I mean, you've got more cutscenes involved. You have characters that kind of have... Um, dynamic storylines and um, I mean base the basis of it, I mean y'all mentioned in the beginning Spyro and Sparks decide to take a vacation to Dragon Shores, but then they're transported to the world of Avalar, um, where they meet Alora the Fawn, Hunter the Cheetah, the Professor, and and, you know, they're kind of just summoned there to drive out Ripto, who had, you know, previously accidentally been transported to Avalar and decided to conquer it. We know that Ripto seems to have a distaste for dragons, um, and he has his minions crush and gulp. And all three of them are fought as bosses. And and yeah. I thought, I thought Ripto was a fun character as well.
1: Yeah, he's he's really sassy, very very <laughs> like uh-uh, girl. I was like, okay, calm down,
0: okay, you'll be alright. Yeah, I mean he's 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 a he's a mean little guy. He's an angry little guy, and I liked the characters of Hunter, who's kind of a dope. And and Laura, she's cute, and the professor is is kind of a fun, you know, smart character. I mean, we've actually got really fun characters now this time, and and characters that we can be attached to, unlike Spiral One, where you had, you know, just these kind of random dragons, and that was it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Not it only was that, a nice but paid for that
0: one. Yeah, no, definitely, and and not only that, but every every world, every level also has its own storyline. Like we mentioned before, I mean, we've got cutscenes um, at the beginning and end. So, and you've got individual characters that are unique to each level. And I thought that the way that Ripto's rage is the only game that has opening and ending cutscenes for every level um, really makes it, I, I think the most solid game when it comes to
2: story.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, no, it felt more cohesive than, than the first game. Cause like the first game is just like, thanks row, And then random tips. Like this one is actually like, Oh, there's actually a story to this one. Like, there's actually something to attach my brain to to understand what the hell's going on.
0: Yeah. Also, this game was kind of dark at moments. I mean, there's a, there's a part where uh, one of the their fawns um, straight up kicks another fawn into the lava and then just kind of shrugs about it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That was... Oh, God. I mean that guy I got forgot murdered. about that until you mentioned it. I <laughs> I started crying. I was
0: like, <laughs> I know that was kind of dark. Um, and then there was the uh, the cavemen who just get eaten by dinosaurs. Like you just see them straight up get eaten. I, but I guess it's okay because they come back as skeletons. Did Did y'all see the flossing skeleton? <laughs>
1: I don't think I. I think he was playing and I was making dinner whenever we that, that part yeah, happened. I didn't make the connection that there flossing,
2: obviously,
1: all right? There was some weird dance.
0: It's a side quest. In the original, he just dances, but in this one, of course, they had to make him floss, and it's kind of cringy. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's fun. It's there.
1: For the, the children.
0: The children, yes, exactly. And, and Spyro, you know, definitely is still aimed at you know, family audiences, but also there's something in it for people that grew up with it. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of millennials. And, but I, I think the story is even fun to follow. I mean, as you see Spyro stranded in Avalar, he agrees to help. He defeats Ripto and returns to Avalar, then finally takes his vacation on Dragon Shore, which, by the way, is that extra bonus level at the end.
1: Oh, okay yeah no we didn't get to that that would make sense because like there wasn't really much explanation at the end of the game i was like poor guy does he get to go on his vacation or no
0: he does and then there is an epilogue um which is unlocked by completing all the skill points which reveals what happened to the various characters in the game and then apparently hunter joins spyro in the dragon realm setting up the stage for the next game
1: oh, okay we tried so hard to be completionists on that but it
2: it's, it's difficult.
1: It was getting frustrating, and we were trying to
2: just get, get it
0: through yeah. the games. I don't blame you. I was the same way. When I when I first got through each level and each game, I kind of just rushed through the story. I did some side stuff if it appealed to me, but I try not to spend too much time on it. But I did later end up going back. Since the last... I guess we should say, and, and if people are watching this video version, which eventually I'll have out, you'll notice our, our closer change. There, there was a little bit of a gap here. And in, in between that time, I actually went back and I finished. I 120% completed Spyro 1, and I did beat the end of Spyro 3. I, I beat the Sorceress uh, final battle. Yeah, that's, so.
1: that's my bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I copped it,
1: out. I had toothache. I got to get a tooth pulled, guys. Great.
0: <laughs> I will say that that extra world, uh, Ripto's loot world, is ex- not Ripto, uh, Nasty's loot level, is actually really fun. You get to kind of free-fly around the the map. It's the only world that lets you do that. Hmm. Um, and then you just collect a bunch of gems, a shit ton of gems. Um, and, it, and it's actually really fun. But there is there is more to do. What am I trying to say? There There is kind of puzzles involved. You have to collect keys, and then that lets you fly a little bit higher. But... It's an interesting world. And and as far as Ripto's rage goes, um, one thing that's very satisfying about the ending cutscene um, is that Moneybags does give back all of the money that he took from Spyro. Mm. Uh, he's forced to. And so <laughs> it's, just kind of a, it's just kind of a nice moment because fuck Moneybags. Fuck,
1: fuck Moneybags. Money <laughs> so we're going to have like a catchphrase. is what we need to do. We just need to do like different parts of the... Of the catchphrases that we have and put it in the next season.
0: That would be badass. But <laughs> like Put it in the intro or something. I don't know. <laughs>
1: there you go. Put it
0: in the outro or outtakes. Yeah. I, I've thought about doing outtakes at some point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Spyro 2, Ripto's Rage um, was released in 1999. Um, it was tentatively titled Spyro the Dragon 2. Copeland did return to compose the soundtrack along with co-producer Jeff Seitz. Seitz? I don't know. At this point, like we mentioned before, Tom Kenny does replace the, uh, the voice of Spyro, taking over the role from Carlos Alazraki. And he you know, had the role to stay, at least for the rest of the trilogy and, and the Reignited trilogy. I don't know if he voices him in all the rest of the games, well, we know he doesn't do it in the Legend of Spyro. They had Elijah Wood in there. Can y'all just yeah. like imagine like Elijah Wood? I mean, I'm just thinking of like Frodo Baggins voicing Spyro. <laughs> that's
2: all <I>
0: think of. <laughs> and and fucking David Spade that oh. Sparks, and then someone else does him. The guy, the voice of Fry in Futurama for the second one, and then Wayne Brady in the third one. They couldn't keep the same voice actor for Sparks. I can't imagine any one of those as Sparks.
1: I know that's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, not David Spade at all.
0: I'm trying to think of. Fucking... Spade the
1: fate is to Tiger King, let's be real. <laughs> Carol Baskin.
0: Carol Baskin. Um... You're
1: welcome for getting that stuck in your head.
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks. Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage, like the first game, received critical acclaim. It does hold an 87% on game rankings. It got the gold sales award from the ELSBA, which indicates a sale of at least 200,000 copies in the UK. As far as the graphics execution and presentation of ripto's rage what did you guys think i mean um comparing you know the original versus the remaster
2: it was night and day yeah really night and day just, the graphics and you know i had done like i mean i didn't notice it at first when i first started playing and then like i looked online and i was like this something's weird and i was like you know I looked online at, like, the original graphics and I was like, oh my god, they are... The colors are <laughs> colors now.
1: Huh. I like, they look really yeah. good. And, and then you look at them you're
2: like, I can't believe
1: myself for that shit. <laughs> yeah, plus, I mean, even just, like, the character mechanics and things like that, like, just watching them actually move, like, now that it's on, you know, such a different engine and things have progressed so much over time, like, watching the same characters move, you're like, oh, he doesn't have pointy shoulders? My wife is alive! <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I did watch some of the, the cutscenes, like, side by side. And there is quite a difference. I mean, just like the first game, I mean, it's going to be basically the same difference. But what I've heard as far as, like, the game goes, like the, the, game, the flow of the game, the controls, I have heard it said that Ripto's Rage is the one that's the least improved upon because it was the one that needed the least improving upon. It was, you know, a very solid game even back in 99. You know, especially compared to the first game. And then we'll get into Year of the Dragon. Year of the Dragon does include everything that's in Ripto's Rage, but Year of the Dragon also does some other things. Um, yeah. But, you know, what do you guys think um, overall, Ripto's Rage versus, say, the first Spyro game?
2: It was hard to get into the first Spyro, and then I played this one, and I was like, okay, this is better.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot more cohesive. Like, the first game is, you know, kind of like your introduction, you know, like your introductory level kind of thing. And it's, it, it's like some of those games where it's, like, hard to get into. Like, I remember for us, like, which game was it that we played? Lara Croft was hard to get into at first. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then once we got past the tutorials and, you know, we got up past all that stuff, I was like, damn, I'm hooked. We've been playing this for six and a half hours. Like,
0: yeah.
1: it was, <laughs> was kind of like that. Same thing with Rick Rose Rage and Year of the Dragon because it's more cohesive, it felt easier for me to get into the game.
0: Yeah, I got to agree. Getting into Ripto's Rage, I mean, it kind of just throws you right into the action, and starting with one of the levels rather than one of the hub worlds, I think, contributes to that. Also, being introduced to the characters right away, so, you know, you start giving a shit, and they have fun personalities, and so, I got to say, like, Spyro 1 was just ever so slightly harder for me to get into, but Ripto's Rage, I wanted to yeah. keep playing. I mean, when I first got into it, I kind of tried out all three, and I really wanted to move on and start playing Ripto's Rage and Year of the Dragon, but, um, mm-hmm. but then I, I ended up falling in love with the first game in its own way. So, But um, I guess we'll kind of get into the final game of the trilogy. Spyro, Year of the Dragon came out just one year later in 2000, which was incidentally the year of the dragon that's that's why it's called that um (laughs) I, i will say that year of the dragon uh is very similar few deviations from the predecessors your main objective this time is to collect dragon eggs scattered across 37 worlds some are hidden some are given as rewards for levels or task completion Um, It's not necessary to collect every egg to progress. In fact, some eggs are only found when you return to a level. As always, uh, levels are connected via hub-style home worlds. We're starting with what's the same from Spyro 1 and Spyro 2. I mean, this time you've got four home realms, Sunrise Spring, Midday Garden, Evening Lake, and Midnight Mountain. So kind of got a theme going there as well. Uh, The power-up gates do return, um, fucking scumbag returns fuck money bags mm-hmm. <laughs> fuck um, money this time <laughs> yeah this time he could be bribed to release the critters uh, which are the other playable characters and activate things for progression but this where speaking of which Spyro year of the dragon deviates I mean you actually have yeah. other playable characters did y'all get a lot of hands on with them
1: Yes, yeah. I, I had so much fun playing this one because you could not just be Spyro. It was like, I could be I could be a freaking penguin. And I like, I, mind you, like as a kid, like I had never played these games, so I didn't know. And all of a sudden I get to waddle around as a damn penguin. I'm like, hey! Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what are you so excited about? He's like, you didn't know about this? And I was like, I only ever played the first game. Like, this is great! Yeah, the uh, uh, I'm
2: going like, the uh, angry- Sheila. Sheila, right. Sheila. Yeah. So obvious. Anyway. Sheila. <clears throat> that was probably one of my
0: favorite ones. She's a badass. And she's a cute character. I love her little Australian accent her hair and her, her jacket. Um, Sergeant okay. Bird, the penguin. So there's Sheila the kangaroo. Sergeant Bird the penguin. I remember him from A Hero's Tale, actually. He was a playable character in that, too. He does kind of the, the flight levels or the speedway challenges yeah. for that game. Um, so he comes back There's Bentley the Yeti, who is a, um, just kind of this lovable, like, intellectual type. He speaks (laughs) and, but he's,
1: yeah,
0: maybe. I think by far the least fun to play as because he's sluggish and kind of, (laughs) They, they did fix him a little bit in this game versus the original, but, or so I've heard, but, um. He's he's a fun character story-wise, but to play as, he's not as much fun as the rest. But I still had fun with it. And then, of course, there's Agent 9 and the the monkey, who in this game has been changed to a third-person shooter style. Um,
1: yes, I heard about this.
0: Yeah, it, 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 it it's fun. I mean, by far the most fun part of the games to play, maybe besides Spyro's part. But the most fun uh other Playable character, I think, is Agent Nine, and the fact that they changed it into a uh, third person shooter in this version versus the original actually really enhanced the gameplay. I think that it was it made it more interesting. Um, I just I just I love the whole thing, and there's even some first uh, person shooter segments. I mean, there's this one like Wild West style where you shoot dinos, the and-
1: shootout, yeah.
0: It, it it feels like one of those like arcade rail shooters.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are so fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't um, I hadn't played the third one like I like I mentioned before. Um, but from what I heard, I heard that this got a lot of great rave and uh, good reviews because of simply I guess the mechanics changed on the monkey a lot. Um, I I didn't know of course before, but apparently like it's night and day, and like people love it so.
2: Yeah, I looked up the reviews like I was curious because I remember it not being that easy to use him, and uh, I looked up reviews and what other people's thoughts were, and it was like, yeah, okay, I'm not the only one. Again. I I thought I was imagining things, like that. but I remember it being this easy. And yeah, everyone said the same thing. But it like, it's so much the fluidity using that character was. They did a great job revamping. Him.
0: Yeah, I really think they did. In fact, I think. Spyro: Year of the Dragon um, originally was seen as, I think, more gimmicky. I mean, it seemed like Insomniac Games was kind of running out of things to do, and that's why they left the series. So it really tells—you can really tell here because they were really trying to stretch out. They didn't want to make new abilities for Spyro. Instead, they developed the other playable characters. Um, and originally, it just—I think—wasn't as well done. I think it was kind of all crammed in as best as they could. Now that they had time to really develop it, I think Year of the Dragon shines the way that it's meant to. I really think the Reignited Trilogy truly improved on Year of the Dragon because I I think it, it wasn't perceived as well as Ripto's Rage, and now it's a really big contender. They're both really cool. And, and it's hard to say because, you know, Riptus Rage is kind of a more tight game. There's just so much more to do in Year of the Dragon. And then there's all the other playable characters, and they're a lot of fun. There's more mini games um, than there were in Riptus Rage. Like you guys mentioned before, fucking skateboarding as a skater, that was super exciting for me. You've got also, um, and I haven't even gotten to try these out yet, but Sparks the Dragonfly has kind of these levels um, that are kind of like these like top down shooter style. Um, and Hunter does have a few mini games where he's in uh, various vehicles, which I hadn't really gotten to try those either. But uh, each playable character can be controlled for certain levels. There is one of each, uh, one of which for each character can be found in every home world. Um, there's, like I said before, an extensive set of mini games, some carried over from Repto's Rage, um, where you play as Spyro and other characters. I think uh, as far as the story goes, it really carries over. There's a lot of the charm that's in Repto's rage. I mean, this time you have the main enemy is the sorceress and Bianca the rabbit, who later becomes an ally and kind of has a a love interest, uh, romantic, you know, relationship, actually ends up having a romantic relationship at the end with Hunter. And I like how instead of having the cutscenes before and after each level, there's just kind of these segues when you come back to the home world. And it's just kind of an update on what's been going on. It's another interaction with Spyro, Hunter, and Bianca. Uh, and, and they really are charming and, and they add to the story. And I really felt like, whereas Ripto's Rage had more lore, more of like a bigger world, and there's world building. I think that Year of the Dragon stays more focused and kind of has this continuing development, um, and you even cut back and see the sorceress at times, and she has actually has an underlying motivation that's explained.
1: And then also, um, my brain just went to to. Um, also, I think it's cool how like instead of just being like, oh, action cutscene, action cutscene, like it's like, uh, it's kind of like just like a, a like an update like on a TV show, you know, it's like previous on Spyro kind of thing. like it's kind of like reminiscent of that, which is really cool because it's like a concept that you don't see much in gaming. So it's cool to kind of see that element. and of course it's in, it's in Spyro, so it's very fitting.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I agree with that. As far as the story goes, you know there's the plot. Um you've got Spyro and the other dragons celebrating the year of the dragon in the bit in the beginning, which is when new dragon eggs are brought to the realm every twelve years. Um, Bianca crashes the celebration with an army of Rhinox and steals all the dragon eggs. Um, Rhinox do end up becoming, I think, recurring enemies later on as well. Byro kind of discovers this world that was once inhabited and left behind by dragons, and that's another plot point that's brought up a few times, is kind of what happened to the dragons, and then you start to find out. But currently it's under control by uh, the Sorceress and the Rhinox. Now we find out later that the Sorceress had banished the dragons long ago, Um, but didn't realize that they were the source of magic in the kingdom. Now she wants to take wings from baby dragons to concoct a spell for immortality. Uh, Bianca, once she finds out that part of the plan, actually turns against the sorceress and starts to help out Spyro. Um, After we defeat the antagonist in the credits roll, you actually fight her again to retrieve the last dragon egg, and and after returning all the dragon realms, like I said before, Hunter and Bianca kind of get it on and... um, <laughs> that's kind of a development that's hinted at throughout the story. So they have, there's a satisfying conclusion. And then there's even kind of a hint with Spyro and Alora at the end, which I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, I remember you talking about that. Like, I don't know. I didn't play that much into it, but clearly I, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, go you day fucking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, when it comes to development. That did span ten and a half months. I mean, they were cranking these out though, one year after the other. So I'm I'm actually really impressed. Yeah, I read that it was influenced by games like Doom and Crash Bandicoot, um, and I guess the previous games in the series. We had levels that were made much larger than Ripto's Rage, so that the areas for mini games could be added. And then to prevent confusion, they loaded these separate areas separately from the hubs, and I, and I think that it goes over well. I mean, you pass the little you know, gateway for a minigame, and you need to go, oh, okay, that's a minigame. I'm going to go yeah. you know, try this out, or I'm going to skip this. So I, yeah, I did appreciate like, that. Oh,
1: what is this? Oh, God, it's a minigame. Ah,
0: oh, hey, babe. <laughs> Previews had indicated the graphics were improved. Many new characters and locations were added. One thing that's actually and I've heard this about the game before, but there is a crack protection, which was to prevent hackers from cracking the game. And there's actually some built-in protection I've heard that if you are playing a pirated copy of the game, the game will recognize. It'll let you get all the way through the game until the very final battle and then load you back in the first world with zero eggs and zero progress.
1: (laughs) No way, really? Yeah,
0: yeah. This was Damn. back, you know, That's
1: cool.
0: Yeah, this was back at a time when these things were kind of done in games, and there's some scary shit that's been happening, you know, to people that pirated games. Like they would try to freak the fuck out of you. <laughs> um, but th- this is one of the more, you know, infamous examples. Uh, like we said before, this was Insomniac Games' last Spyro title. Um, Ted Price had revealed that they felt that they could do nothing new with the character, and they wanted to do something different after working for five years on this IP. And honestly, they went on to do, I guess, you know, bigger and better things. And Spyro, for better or for worse, was handed off to other developers, and you know, we see the direction that that went in. I do hope that, you know, with enough time gone by, Insomniac realizes, okay, there's something more we can do with Spyro, or or maybe, you know, let Toys for Bob take the helm, because they seem to do a pretty good job, as long as, you know, they remain faithful to the heart
1: Spyros. of the game. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'd like to see what they would do with a brand new game, while staying true, but maybe adding new abilities, maybe adding um, kind of the more... Uh, the, the platforming that we see in, like, A Hero's Tale, which is a little bit more refined. Maybe adding um, a little bit more of a deeper story, like the reboot trilogy, but not, not like, really <laughs> into it. Like, don't forget that you're a kid's game. You know, don't get, take yourself too seriously. Yeah. But don't be afraid to get a little bit deep either, I think, would be fine.
1: Us kids are smarter nowadays, too. Like, when we were younger, you know, we were just like, eh, whatever. Like, now kids, like, read into things, like... Oh, they're getting smarter and it's
0: not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've heard that that's a thing that, like, intelligence as a whole, like, cognitive intelligence has increased. IQ, te- IQ scores are increasing. Keep in mind also that, you know, another Spyro game would be catered towards adults like us. So, that's yeah, I mean. that's,
1: that's very possible.
0: But, and I, I felt that they did a good job. With Year of the Dragon, we had the music again composed by Copeland. The challenge was in creating music that would be both interesting to listen to and complement gameplay, um, so he did incorporate more complicated harmonies and basslines so that music would always seem fresh even after repeated listening. He felt that there were no technical restraints on his end due to the PlayStation CD format. He recorded an entire orchestral scores for extra flourish and percussive and beat-driven melodies for high-energy movements.
1: Your heart pumping. Like, when you're, when you're in the deep of it and you're, like, about to do, like, a boss fight or something, like... Your heart starts beating like you're in like a like a God of War style game. You're like, oh, okay, I yeah, um, ah, lots of percussion. Okay, like it, you can tell like definitely with the scores like as as the games progress, like there's more thought put into them, and it's it's really really cool to like watch them be like, okay, cool game. All right, let me turn it up a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, is this a movie or is this a kids game? What am I doing here? <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, what, what did you think, Alan? I mean, or, or even playing this game before? Uh, yeah. Um,
2: there was the. As far as the musical part, yeah, I, I agree with Megan on that. It was uh, it was dramatic, but not well, really so. It was to a point where it was still fun, but the music definitely, like. thank you up. It, 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 it hugged me up, but it also, like, stressed me out. I'm just like. <laughs> like. <the music. laughs> and you're just like stressed now like alright
1: okay I get it music I get it let me just <sighs> <laughs> no water oh damn it yeah uh, no
2: I, I I agree the, the music was definitely uh, you know it's the little things like that that you don't notice until like or you just take for granted
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry I took so long
1: Oh, hello.
2: Thanks, Spyro. Don't worry, I'll take care of them.
0: What is up, guys? We are back. Well, I say we're back. It's been a few days for us. Um, Actually, it's just me here. Megan and Alan, unfortunately, weren't able to make it. But I decided to go ahead and finish the rest off on my own, since we don't have a lot more to talk about here. Uh, I do want to say Spyro Year of the Dragon was released to uh, positive reception and was critically acclaimed. According to game rankings, it is the 19th highest rated PlayStation game of all time. It sold more than 2 million units in the U.S., getting the Platinum Sales Award from the ELSBA, which indicates at least 300,000 copies were sold in the U.K. Now, while there were no significant changes to the formula, the new playable characters, more detailed graphics, and wide variety of minigames are noteworthy here. Criticism has been aimed at the camera handling, particularly when it's unable to keep up with Spyro, and... Also, the game feeling too much like previous entries. I have heard it said that compared to Ripto's Rage, Year the Dragon does feel a little more gimmicky. It feels like it's trying to make up for Insomniac kind of stretching themselves then. And, and you really can not tell. Insomniac felt that there wasn't a lot more they could do with the character. In fact, rather than expanding on Spyro's abilities, they decided to explore the other playable characters. And so with so many different gameplay styles and adding so many different mini games and vehicles, it it does feel a little jarring at times, at least the original game or so I've heard. Now, I do feel the remaster here in the Reignited trilogy has really evened that out. Whereas Ripto's Rage didn't need a lot of work. Uh, I think Year of the Dragon needed a, a little bit of work. And so now it really is competitive. It holds a competitive edge against Ripto's Rage, and it's, it's really hard to tell which is the better of the two. In fact, um, I was going to go ahead and ask each of us which game out of the trilogy was our favorite, and I feel that it's a strong competition between You're the Dragon and Ripto's Rage, but with Year of the Dragon feeling just as solid as Ripto's Rage, and I think having a more, how should I put it, A more involved story, a story that feels, uh, you feel a little bit more um, involved in and and sympathetic with. I, I, and add that, add to that the, Mini playable characters, all the mini games, fucking skateboarding, and the fact that you can chase money bags at the end of the game. Yeah, again, fuck money bags. You can chase him and and get all of your gems back. Like at the end of Repto's Rage, where he gives them all back. In this case, you actually have to ram him and flame him a bunch of times until you get them all back. And man, is it satisfying! I gotta love it. Uh, I wanted to add something else too. We did. Um, I did do a little bit more research and found out a little bit more about the crack protection of the game. Not only will the game start you over at the final boss battle with no progress, but throughout the game, it plays mostly the same, but with a few irritating changes that just make you want to give up. And the idea was that it would trick Crackers into thinking, oh, hey, we cracked the game, it's working just fine, you know, with a pirated version or uh, using a mod chip in their PlayStation. But over time, you know, they would start to realize and so ultimately their time would be wasted and the game would be able to sell and, you know, achieve success before the Crackers were able to get to it. There's just some small irritating changes like eggs going missing, even after having collected them, sparks not changing color past green, so you only get two hit points, and just various other irritating, odd glitches throughout. So it's it's a, very, um, it's a very challenging experience. That being said, there are some gamers who have uh, taken it upon themselves to play the pirated version of the game as a challenge. So that's definitely something you can find some YouTube playthroughs of. Uh, but with the Spyro Reignited Trilogy version of Year of the Dragon, I really feel like it is the definitive version of the game. In fact, I feel that the Spyro Reignited Trilogy overall is the... Definitive way to play the first three Spyro games. Now there has been some talk about frame rate drops. I didn't notice them. Maybe it's because I'm playing a, you know, a, a different version of the game, and my version of the game did not have the motion blur on. I think some of the original criticisms have been addressed with future patches and, of course, with re-release versions of the game. Now, overall, it did get generally favorable reviews. As far as sales goes. Uh, Spyro Reignited Trilogy is first place on the, on the UK all-format sales chart in its first week. It outsold both Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee versions individually, but not together. And it was the best-selling PS4 game in, in a, the, the, its first week in Australia. It received the Family Slash Kids Title of the Year at Australian Game Award, Games Awards and was nominated for the Freedom Tower Award for Best Remake at the New York Game Awards. Uh, game classic revival at National Academy of Video Game Trade Reviewers Awards, and People's Choice at Italian Video Game Awards. So certainly, this game hit a lot of milestones. Uh, really stuck in a lot of people's minds, and I think ultimately was a was a fun experience. And I think uh, I think the optimal experience for playing Spyro. As far as where the series may go in the future, I do hope they go along the lines of Crash Bandicoot and make a Spyro 4 with Toys for Bob's heading development of that. I feel like they've really shown their worth here. And they are going to be working on Crash Bandicoot 4. So once they're done with that, I'd love to see them tackle Spyro, another Spyro 4 in the vein of the Insomniac Games trilogy. That being said, I do think that they're, I do feel like Insomniac Games, when they say that they're didn't feel like there was a lot more they could do with Spyro and that they didn't know how to like expand his abilities. Um, I kind of have to wonder about that. One thing that later games did that, you know, despite not being considered as as stellar games as the original trilogy, but one thing, you know, games like Spyro Heroes Tell or even Enter the Dragonfly or even the abysmal uh, Legend of Spyro trilogy did was encompassing new abilities and new ways to play. I love the way that a hero style plays, for instance. I felt like it was a natural expansion of Spyro's arsenal. You've now got a double jump to glide, and you've got the, um, the head bash move was kind of mapped to the double jump. I, I don't suppose that makes a big difference. Different breaths, that's, I feel like, uh, a step in the right direction. So, I mean, and, and and just the number of different unlockable moves that Spyro had really made sense and I and I liked the way that that went. And also exploring the other playable characters. I'd like to see, you know, the other playable characters return. Obviously, we've seen Hunter and Sergeant Bird return, but who's to say Bentley or Sheila or Agent 9? Cuz Agent 9 was fucking fun. I love that third-person shooter style and I feel like Agent 9 was my favorite to play as honestly but anywho i'm excited to see where spyro could go in the future i think it's definitely got a shot haven't heard anything yet about what's going on but hopefully we will get some news soon and speaking of news there were some new xbox games showcased in their own live event highlights for me i would say uh fable Uh, as many of you who have been following Colorado gaming since the beginning know i mean we our huge Fable fans, Dakota and I, and we started. Our very first pilot episode was Fable 3, and we talked about what you know could be Fable 4 because there were rumors at the time. Well, they've officially announced what seems to be a reboot of the series. Um, one that, if the trailer is anything to go by, may offer some more personalization. We'll see. Kind of the idea of crafting your own Fable is what it seems like they're going for. But definitely the series' humor is not lost in that teaser trailer. Also, Halo Infinite. However, it has received a bit of criticism for the art style or the way that the graphics were presented in the trailer. So uh, I do hope the graphics get a little bit more of an upscale. I think that this was more of just a peek. Is it Bungie still working on it? I want to say the developers went out and did say that it was an intentional decision to go back to... Um, the art style that they're using so we'll see what happens definitely fan criticism and, and feedback plays a big part and I feel like when developers listen to their fans we ultimately get a better product and that's what happened with Spyro Reignited Trilogy I mean we saw Spyro kind of go downhill and try a different direction and go even more downhill and you know finally going back to the roots I think was honestly what saved the series and I'm really excited to see where it could go in the future. Um I played the hell out of the Spyro Reignited trilogy. As of the time of the recording now, I have uh, 120% completed both Spyro the Dragon and Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage. Um I did finish Spyro Year of the Dragon. I beat the main story and I- I've been going back and doing some of the more challenges. It's definitely the biggest of the three games and that's why I gotta say I think I think it's I think it's gonna be my favorite of the bunch. Although it's a tough call because Ripto's Rage kinda also holds a, a place in my heart for just being a solid game. And Spyro the Dragon has that unique charm that um again it kind of seems to have all of its own. But I suppose we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh I would invite Alan and Megan to list their choices of their favorite Spyro game and give out their final thoughts but uh, since I'm running solo I will go ahead and get into my final thoughts on Spyro Reignited Trilogy it is again I think the optimal experience for Spyro fans it's the definitive way of playing the first three Spyro games you heard it from me that's how I feel about it I think it's fun, it's a blast from the past. There's definitely going to be a lot of nostalgia for gamers that grew up with this series. And for me, who was just kind of coming into this and had a you know, a different entry into the Spyro series, I definitely got to say that there is something special and unique about this trilogy that just isn't in the other Spyro games. Um, I've kind of got to go back and play A Hero's Tale to really be for sure, but I, I do feel like there's just something... Maybe it was... Maybe it was drugs... Maybe it was Acid, I don't know. There's something inventive and unique and creative about uh, Spyro, the original Insomniac Games trilogy, and the Reignited Trilogy really fully explores that. It doesn't hold back anything. Uh, I think the games are presented in the way that they were originally meant to be presented as, you know, technology withholding. So Spyro Reignited Trilogy is a definite recommend for any and all gamers, I think it can have an appeal to casual gamers. It definitely has an appeal for hardcore gamers as well. Um, easy to pick up, fun for everyone, but hard to master. And there's really a lot of room to just explore and get everything. And even then, it's not too hard to 100%. It doesn't feel like a chore. It's just, you know, you do got to put in the time. <laughs> I will say I was able to get through many of the levels pretty quickly, and that was that was fun. And, and i do enjoy the pacing i enjoy the variety of the levels everything about it is is a positive experience from me so i wholeheartedly recommend spyro reignited trilogy or the original insomniac spyro games um, although if i will definitely say that this version is more accessible it's you're going to be able to find it but easier and i think it contains a lot of quality of life improvements Upon the originals that do make it a lot easier to play, so I don't think there's a lot more to say here. I do think this game will appeal to both young and new audiences. I think people that grew up with the original games that are my age or even older, you know, some of our uh, early wave millennials are really going to enjoy this, and a lot of our new gamers, our Gen Zers, and are going to enjoy this as well. And I'm kind of smack dab there in the middle, with the the late in millennials, and I enjoyed the hell out of this. And uh, there was a little bit of nostalgia factor for me, but not a lot, and I still enjoyed it. So, And from what I've heard, people that have nostalgia for the game series love it. Check it out. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. We're a part of Chill Lover Radio. Uh, also, go check out Collateral Cinema Movie Podcast, our counterpart and parent podcast, uh, which I and Dakota are a part of. Dakota and I are a part of. It's a blast. Um, we're going to be talking about, actually I believe we're recording it tonight, so these should be around about, out around the same time, but we're going to be talking about Best Friends, the uh, our season finale for the movie podcast. It's the reunion film of Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero. We also just did a collab, Collateral Gaming and Collateral Cinema, on Super Mario Brothers the movie, and that was a lot of fun. It was a blast. So go check that out if you haven't already. Also, our upcoming episode of Collateral Gaming is going to be Action 52, uh, our first bad game this season. I really had to just throw a bad game in there. So we're going to be discussing Action 52 uh, and all its unplayability and dismalness and and, and just everything that is just horribly wrong with this game. Expect a kind of similar vibe that you got from our Zelda CDI episode. Um, we're definitely going to be having to intake some substances in order to get through this. So uh, stay tuned for that. And then following that episode, we will be doing our season finale on Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Uh, this was a game that Dakota and I grew up playing a lot. So it was, it was a natural choice for us. And we knew we were going to do Assassin's Creed at some point. In fact, you know, this was planned for our first season. If you all recall, uh, seasons one and two were originally one, and we kind of ended up splitting them into two seasons when we went monthly, uh, when we were originally weekly. So Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag was our first choice because I think it's the game that he and I both identified with the most together. I won't say it's my... F- Favorite Assassin's Creed game. I definitely feel like Assassin's Creed 2 is a big contester for that. Uh, Brotherhood and, and uh, Origins. I really, really enjoyed Origins. I haven't gotten a chance to play Odyssey. Super excited about Valhalla. Uh, we will be talking about that next season, actually. i will go ahead and reveal that now. But yeah, stay tuned for Action 52 and Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Super excited to talk about those. And also super stoked to reveal what's going to be coming up in Season 3. Yeah, we're, we're already planning it. We've already pretty much decided what we're doing. And we're super excited to, to tell you about it and, and do that with you. I want to say we'll be picking that up in October. So but we'll see. Another thing that's going to be happening is we're going to, moving forward, like this episode, we're going to be releasing episodes in two parts. So we'll record once a month still, you know, for about two hours, and then we'll be releasing those bi-weekly so that that way we kind of do have that bi-weekly release. And in between, we'll be doing our collateral gaming bonus round, uh, hopefully getting that other uh, bonus round episode that we've been planning for a while, the video game recommendations out. That should be out. I want to release it around the time that I release this. I really do. I want to get them out together because we're behind on bonus rounds so if it's up there go check out video game recommendations with Ash and dakota if it's not stay tuned for it also i have a friend of mine who is going to be discussing the metroid prime trilogy with me that's going to be our next collateral gaming bonus round episode that we should be releasing before our next numbered episode So stay tuned for that as well. We're definitely going to be catching up on that. And following our season finale, we may even produce a few more to kind of just, you know, fill in what we've missed. But um, if you haven't checked out Collateral Gaming Bonus Round, it's our unedited version of the podcast. It's been either me and Dakota or just me, (laughs) just kind of having this more off the cuff, unedited 30 minutes to 45 minutes, although we're not opposed to going to an hour if, you know, there's there's a crying need for it um and just more of a topical format we discuss uh, top five and top 10 lists we'll be doing more video game recommendations we'll be doing franchise reviews um and then we also will like to do um like random game reviews and it's probably where we're going to be doing our indie game reviews as well especially the ones we've missed out on like i gotta say for so long we've been trying to do we happy few Uh, that's going to be done there anything that we've promised that didn't make it into a numbered episode is probably going to find its way into bonus round so and also new games that we're super excited about, but haven't don't get a chance to you know make a numbered episode until we'll probably find its way into bonus round, or maybe we'll throw in some kind of version of at the movies, for collateral gaming. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, I don't suppose there's a lot more to say. We're just kind of bullshitting here. Right, I'm bullshitting here. But um, subscribe to us if you haven't already. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast. You can catch me on social media and you can catch collateral gaming and collateral cinema. Um, we are on all platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. okay, I say all platforms, but we have a Tumblr, but I don't I just I just really post Instagram from it. so I can't really say I'm on it. but I I do, uh, I do stay up with the social media and feel free to send me a friend request, Ashley Allen Chancellor. I'm on there, or Ashley Scruffy Chancellor. Um, you can you can find me wherever you can find collateral gaming so stay tuned for more content hopefully we'll get some more of the let's plays out as well i'm excited about that Um, we actually owe some so i think that's it that being said i'm ashley chancellor and you were hearing alan gomez and megan gardner as well We are Collateral Gaming. We are out. Lateral Gaming is an L company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor. It's just kind of a it's just kind of a nice moment cuz fuck money bags.
1: Fuck money bags. <laughs>